Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. What's up, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the show. I Man, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me your ears. We have a really, really exciting show today. First of all, I just want to note that when we highlight zookeepers on the show, they are some of our most listened to episodes. And it honestly makes sense. Back, oh my goodness, I think it was about four years ago when I first discovered what a podcast was. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I remember someone's like, you should listen to podcasts. And I was like, what? I mean, okay, I'll click that little button on my phone. And then I was literally opened up to the world of podcasts. And I remember that one of the first things I typed in was zookeeper. I was trying to find some stories about zookeepers in the field, working with exotic animals. All of that stuff has always interested me just because I work in the animal care field. So back in the day, there really wasn't a lot of options. I did come across one podcast, which was awesome. Matt Price, Zookeeper Stories. Just want to give him a shout out. Anyway, I always loved hearing people's backstories. And so when I finally decided to do a podcast, I wanted to make sure that I would interview people in the animal care field because I just find it so fascinating. So today on the program, we have Zookeeper Mel. She actually works at Utah's Holgle Zoo, which is just a side note one of my favorite zoos, fantastic zoos, and it's actually pretty close to me. It's only around six hours away from me because I'm here in Idaho, so it was so cool to talk to her. And we really just kind of go into her background. The interesting thing about Mel is that she has worked with over 160 different species. That is a lot. She's worked with a variety of different animals. As you'll hear in the interview, she went into the zoo field wanting to work with big cats. And by the way, she wanted, she knew she wanted to be in the field since she was five years old and she wanted to work with big cats. And so she just talks about her experience working at a sanctuary where she was working with, I think over 200 big cats to where she moved to a smaller zoo and then finally ended up at the Hogel Zoo. A lot of fantastic insight in here. If you are a person who, you know, wants to possibly work at a zoo someday or work in some capacity of the animal care field. Also, Attention, all of my interns listening to this show or people who want to get into this field, this is a must listen. Uh, Zookeeper Mel, she actually trains a lot of interns and she goes over the things not to do while you are interning. This is some valuable, valuable insight. And I know that sounds so negative, but I'm more of the person like I would rather hear what not to do than what to do. And she goes into some awesome stories. And I think it's really going to help you out. We end the podcast interview with some really interesting things that she hears from zoo visitors. I'll tell you what, she compiles all these things and she actually puts them in this awesome TikTok videos that you could find on her TikTok account. I'll put a link in the show notes. That's actually how I found her. So we had so many things to talk about. I promise you are going to love it. Before we get to the show, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show. We have a lot of new listeners because of our big celebrity guest a few weeks ago, Coyote Peterson was on the program. So if you're new to the program, welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please hit that subscribe button. It helps get our show out there. And as always, please make sure to follow me on my social channels on Instagram, TikTok, 
Facebook and Twitter at Corbin Maxi, and of course our YouTube channel, which I am posting videos on a weekly basis. I just want to give a shout out to our Patreons. You are the ones who support the show, who keep the show going, and you keep it ad free. If you find this show valuable and you just want to donate a couple bucks a month, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, it helps keep the show ad free. As you know, this is a labor of love, and I've been approached by advertisers. I'm going to be honest with you, the products they were trying to have me sell on this podcast, I was like. Like, there's no way. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. If I would not use this product, I'm not going to let my listeners use this product. So I've been very hesitant on getting advertisers for the show. So if you want to help out, just head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash animals to the max. With that said, I hope you enjoy it. Let's do this. Please welcome to the show, Zookeeper Mel. I'm so excited. I'm joined with Zookeeper Mel. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Yes. And you know, we actually have, so our zookeeper episodes are some of the most listened to shows. And because we have a lot of people who want to get into the field and it's been a while since I've had a zookeeper on. And I, once again, I saw you on TikTok. I was like, I need to message her because I, I mean, honestly, some of my favorite videos are the ones where, you know, um, where you like do what, what the public says or like stupid things people do. And they're my favorite videos. Yeah, those are usually kind of the the heavy hitters, and that's what a lot of people like to see because most people, either that is them when they go to the zoo, um, and they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that, or maybe I shouldn't say those things at the zoo. Um, But yeah, I mean, I love educating the public, and I love getting people excited about zoos and going to zoos, so that's kind of the big part of it, yeah. Absolutely, and we, uh, what zoo do you work at currently? I work at Utah's Hogle Zoo in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh my gosh. I was so yep. thrilled when you gave me your number. It was, it was a Salt Lake number. And I was like, I bet she's at the Hogle Zoo. I love the Hogle Zoo. Such a good zoo. Yeah, it's a really awesome zoo. I've worked at a few different zoos in my career. I've been a zookeeper for over 10 years. And um, Hogle has been a nice medium-sized zoo, which is really great because you get to know everybody. You work with different animals so I've worked almost everywhere in the zoo which is really awesome that's awesome and you know I I told my wife because she's never been to the Hogle Zoo I'm like honey you'd love it because she hates when we go to big cities because I like for instance we, we went to the San Diego Zoo we were there all day. I mean, she yep. was walking miles and miles and she just, she was very uncomfortable. And I think the whole yep. zoo is the perfect medium sized zoo. I, mean, I feel like it's such a, a perfect zoo. I mean, honestly, really like size wise and all that type of yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And we've got some indoor outdoor areas too, which is really nice. But yeah, San Diego is like one of the largest zoos in the country. And I mean, that's really hilly. They have like little escalators and stuff to take you up hills. And it's they were closed. Insane. It was closed because yeah. of COVID. I was like, honey, usually yep. there's, a, I was like, usually there's a monorail and she's like, <laughs> whatever. I mean, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And no, I mean, like I said, no offense to San Diego. They have a beautiful zoo. I'm just saying size wise. I think Hogel, if you, if you have a family, it seems a lot more manageable. Yep. I agree completely. So take me back when, I mean, when you were younger, did you always want to work with animals? Yes. Um, Ever since I was five years old, I always wanted to be a zookeeper. Um, I always wanted to work with big cats. That was always my passion. I loved lions and tigers and leopards and cheetahs. That was always my thing when I was younger. So yeah, I mean, I was five and I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. And my parents tried to change my mind a lot of times um, because zookeepers don't make a lot of money and you definitely do it for the passion. And so I have that passion to my core, but my parents were like, maybe do you want to be a veterinarian? 
maybe something. And I was always like, no, no, this is it. So yeah, five years old, I knew what I wanted to be. So I just worked really hard to get there. And here I am. Wow. Here you are on the Animals of the Max podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. I told my family and they were all so excited. So oh my gosh. Well, I was, no, I'm, uh, yeah. And like I said, I mean, people around the globe listen to this. And like I said, most listen to our, our zookeeper episodes. So where did you grow up? Because you must have been to your local zoo at five years old and thought, wow, this is what I want to do. Yeah, um, I grew up in Illinois. So I'm originally from Illinois. Mm. And so I went to Brookfield Zoo. I went to Lincoln Park Zoo. And those Brookfield was kind of my big one where my family had a membership. We went every every, you know, almost every weekend when we were younger. Um, And it was just a really big part of me. So I have grown into that so much that I actually worked there for a little bit too. So my passion and my love for zookeeping, I got to actually live it when I worked there too. So that was pretty awesome. Wow. They have Chicago has some great places the, the zoos, yeah. the shed. I haven't been to the Brookfield. I've been to the Lincoln park and the shed aquarium, which were just both really, really beautiful yep. places. So, so you knew you were five, you wanted to be a zookeeper. Did you go to school to become a zookeeper? Did you go and get a degree in an animal science related field? Yeah, um, it used to be back in the day with zookeeping, you just kind of got into it with experience. And that was great. Nowadays, they definitely want you to have a degree. And, you know, not saying it can't be done without a degree. But yes, I went to school, I got my bachelor's degree in biological sciences with a concentration in zoology. Um, It's kind of a mouthful there. But there's tons of colleges that have different degrees that you can get. I have friends that are zookeepers that have degrees in anthropology, psychology, animal sciences, biology. Um, You know, those are just kind of a handful. Agriculture is another one, too, um, that they can have degrees. So you can have a lot of different type of science animal degrees and still get a job in zookeeping. There was someone at a zoo I won't mention, but I think their degree was in art. (laughs) Like, I think it was Renaissance art. And... (laughs) It doesn't really, I I mean, (laughs) so I, okay, let me, let me see if I can like connect the dots here. Okay. Uh, We make a lot of enrichment for our animals and that means you have to have a lot of creativity and maybe some art skills in there for arts and crafts time. So you know what? Maybe that really works for them. That's okay. Oh my God. I love how you spend that. And by the way, I'm not knocking on someone who got a degree in Renaissance art. It's great. You got a degree. It's great. You got an education. It shows you could do that full, 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 full four years. Excuse me. But uh, no, you're right. I love how you spun that. Okay. So, okay. So you went to college. Your dream, was it to work at the Brookfield Zoo? Yeah. When I was younger, it definitely was. Um, You know, again, I wanted to work with carnivores and- So for zookeeping, in order to have or in order to get experience, you have to have experience. And so it's this like rotating cycle of like, how the heck do I get experience if I need to have experience? But Mm. like, where do I start? How do I get my foot in the door? And that's through either volunteering or internships. So right out of college, I was really lucky. Um, I've been really lucky in my career in general. I got an internship working with large carnivores at Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge in Arkansas. And they're an amazing, amazing animal sanctuary for specializing in large carnivores. Mm -hmm. And so I got that internship there. And that's where I got a lot of my experience because that was free work. So you have to have a lot of that free work before you can get on to the paid stuff. 
Wow, that's that's great. And so you were working with cats, big cats. What was your first? I mean, what was it like working with a cat for the first time? You dreamed about it since you were <sighs> five. What what was that first encounter like? I could like legitimately cry thinking about that. Like that's um, it was magical. <laughs> I don't have I don't have a better way to explain it. It was the thing that I've always wanted, and you know, I even now have so many young kids that come to the zoo and. They want to work with lions or tigers or bears or giraffes or, you know, whatever. And they look to me and I just think like, I remember when I was in your shoes and I remember the very first time that I got to work with a cat and it took my breath away because they are so large. They are so, they're dangerous animals. You know, I've never worked free contact with a large carnivore, so I'm never in the enclosure with them. I'm pretty against that. Um, it's pretty unsafe kind of habits to be mm. in. So I've never done that. Um, so I've only worked protected contact with them. But even if there's a fence between you and them, hearing a lion roar in your face for the first time, literally you can feel it in your bones. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a pretty awesome experience to get to do. Yeah, and I always and if you've listened to this podcast, Animals of the Max, you'll know that and, and I talk about my experience, when you go back in the dens or back in the animals' bedrooms, it's a different feeling than when you're seeing the animals behind a pane of glass at the zoo. When you're in there and you can hear them like that lion roar, it is just oh, it gives you chill. I mean it's a very yep. it's a very humbling experience and you're just reminded oh, yeah. how little we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in zoos and in other zoological settings or animal care settings around the world, people have been killed by those large carnivores. Mm -hmm. And so safety is always number one. And exactly what you said, when we go in to clean, we go into their exhibits, we go into their holding spaces, we go into their dens, we go into all those spaces. So there's always kind of that in the back of your mind, like, okay, did I lock that door? Yes, I locked that door let's just go back and double check let's put a tag on that door so nobody comes in that door like nobody comes and opens that door you know you have to make sure that everything is so safe before yeah. you enter that space because you you really take a lot of that for granted after working with them for so long that it can just be like all right it's just another part of my day but you're working with tigers and lions <laughs> like i don't really think about it as much and i don't work with them as much anymore um, now I work with our ambassador animal program, which is very different. And there are a lot of smaller animals, a lot of animals you can actually hold and you talk to the public with them and interact with them. The public, the public can touch them. So I've worked both sides where I'm working with severely dangerous animals and I'm also working with like these tiny little critters. So it's a pretty crazy experience. I treat them all exactly the same though. That you know, anything with a mouth can bite you and scratch you and do all the things. So just got to be careful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you're at Turpentine Creek and you were just working with the lions and the tigers. Did you prefer one of one over the other? Just out of curiosity. Um, mountain lions. Really? Over, yeah. over all? Oh, tell, tell me why. I love mountain lions and bobcats. And at Turpentine, we had over 200 carnivores. So leopards, um, lions, tigers, uh, bobcats, servals, lynx, I mean, you name it, we had it. Um, and yeah, bobcats and mountain lions really stole my heart and they still do to this day. Um, they are, mountain lions are probably my favorite animal that I've ever worked with. Um, they just, their personalities are great. They are very, very sassy, but they're also like really gentle. They're very agile. Oh. Um, 
and they're a native species. I'm really, really big into native species. Oh my gosh, that shocked me. I thought you were going to totally go the whole typical tiger route. Nope. Really? Yeah, really? mountain lions are where it's at. Does the Hogle Zoo, do they still have mountain lions? No, they used to years ago. They used to years ago. maybe in the future. Where are they going to go? Maybe somewhere new. We'll see. Okay. Oh, I bet your fingers are <laughs> crossed. That is so interesting. Okay. Was there, yeah. a, was there a cat that you weren't that fond of working with? <laughs> of, no, I mean, out of 200 cats that you were just like, oh my gosh, if this yeah. animal just... Yeah, you know what? There's actually like... Oh, I would say at Hogle, uh, there was a tiger that we had. He has passed away since then. Um, but... That was our male tiger, Kazakh, and he was a beautiful cat, and I absolutely, I loved him, but at the same time, he was kind of a pain in the butt, like, he didn't shift well, mm. um, he was kind of grumpy sometimes, he just kind of, like, did his own thing, when you'd, like, ask him for something, he'd just kind of stare at you, typical cat things, so he was kind of a frustrating cat to work with, for sure, uh-huh. um, but, I mean, there hasn't really been any animals that, that I've worked with that I didn't like or that I didn't enjoy working with every single animal I've worked with over 160 different species and it's a lot of animals that I've worked with my career and there really aren't many that I can oh okay no I take that back ostrich (laughs) 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 not a fan oh my zookeeper mel i was just starting to really really start to like you you know i have a you know i have a pet emu they're in the same family the ratites they are terrifying their (laughs) brains are so small and they're looking at you and you're like dude what are you even thinking right now like are you gonna murder me are you gonna eat this lettuce that i'm handing you like what do you want Ostrich. Really, I heard that ostrich are really aggressive. I've I've heard this from people. The males people. definitely can be, and that's what I've only worked with are males. Um, I've never worked with females, and I hear that females are a little bit less. But yeah, the males, whew, they're terrifying. What, what do no, you do? You. Do you go in there with a broom? What, what no. You, <laughs> well, that's what um, they used to do with this Andean condor at our zoo. <laughs> like they when go. I worked with them. I worked protected contact with them. You are um, not getting inside there. No, there's a fence between me and them at all times. Currently, some of the keepers do work free contact with them if they have to out on the really large savanna area. Okay. So it's a lot of open space. Um, so everything's safe. There's always like two people to watch, make sure that he's not going to pull any shenanigans because they can run really fast. And if you are being run after by an ostrich, man, you're not really getting away. Like your defense mechanism for an ostrich attack is literally (laughs) to get down on the ground and on your stomach and just cover your head and pray. That's (laughs) your only defense. Unless you have a big hook, you can actually like hook their neck and pull them down to the ground. I am fully trained in capture and restraint. So I know these things. (laughs) And emus, emus are not emus are different. Aggressive. Come on. They are very different than ostrich. They're they're a different type of bird. So I can deal with the emus, mm. not an ostrich. No. Oh my god, that's so funny. I yeah, I I love my pet emu, and I've I've heard they're really really sweet. Uh, usually yeah. across the board, but I've heard that ostriches. I've also heard rias, their South American counterpart, are aggressive. I've heard that from a few people too. Yep, I have also heard that. Um, I've never worked with them. Same with, like, cassowaries. Never oh, worked with cassowaries. Oh, oh that would be um, terrifying. They are uh, prehistoric. Nope. Uh, 
prehistoric. <laughs> nope, I'm fine. I'm all set. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that is so funny. I remember just like a side tangent, we have friends at the Toledo Zoo and they have a great cassowary habitat. And my yeah. wife and I, we were with our friend and I we didn't realize she was terrified of birds, and we were like, We have a surprise for you, and we go. <laughs> behind the scenes to feed the cassowaries and first of all there's a lot of safety precautions with these birds so like we're (laughs) we're like going into their barn area but it's like double gated secured she's like what are we doing and anyway the cassowary came in she freaked out we're supposed to feed it you know grapes with tongs but i could totally see how intimidating they are with that helmet and everything yeah they're just they look like crazy dinosaurs and i'm just not here for it especially their feet Oh, I have an yeah. ostrich painting, like a footprint on my wall, and I look at it every day, and I'm like, nope, that's bigger <laughs> than my head. <laughs> it is, like, much larger, very pointy, very dinosaur-like. Yes. I'm all set. Don't need it. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Okay, so back yep. on to Turpentine Creek. So you're working <laughs> with all these different cats. Tell us, uh, tell us where your journey takes you next. Yeah, so after the internship, then I started applying for jobs. I probably applied for over 40 different jobs during my internship to get some type of job out of that internship. And that's really common for zookeeping. So like I said, I've been very lucky in my career. Some of my zookeeping friends have not been as lucky and they've had to do do many more internships to get their jobs. So I was very fortunate. After that internship, I got a job at a really small AZA accredited zoo in um, Illinois called Cosley Zoo. Okay. And that worked out because that was my home state and it was close to my hometown. So that worked out. And that was Illinois native species and domestic farm animals. Okay. So that's where I got a lot of experience with farm animals. Um, I grew my love for the native species. You know, I worked with foxes, bobcats, raccoons, songbirds, herons, deer, all the good stuff. Owls, you name it. Let's just cut to the chase, though. When you're in charge of farm animals, are you like, really? I just, that would, that, for me, that no. is the most disappointing section of the zoo. You know, and I'm so sorry for my keepers. I it sounds feel, so I disappointing. Like I feel like a lot of people think that, but really, I love, like, domestic farm animals. I love, I am obsessed with llamas. Llamas, alpacas, <laughs> love them. Um, they're amazing. We had llamas there. We had goats, sheep, cows. You know, you really don't know how much you love cows until you've worked with cows uh, because they are so sweet. And yeah, I mean, I loved, I miss like picking hooves on horses. That was always really satisfying and a fun job to do. Grooming them was always really fun. Um, Doing training sessions. So I think a lot of people would be like, oh, domestic farm animals are like, oh, you work in the children's zoo. But like, <laughs> really, there's so many fun things that you can do with those kind of domesticated animals that you can't do with the exotics because those other exotic animals that are in the zoo, those tigers, those, you know, bobcats, stuff like that, they're not domesticated. And so they're not like nice by any means most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So that's where you kind of can get your cuddles in with the farm animals. Yep. Or you can't really get that in with a lion. <laughs> yeah, and I've had people on the show say they've been in every section at their zoo, and their favorite is the farm, the 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 the, the zoo farm, and they're happy there yep. and they're fine. Yep. <laughs> and they yeah. love that they love the children's zoo. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's kind of a specialist too, so you'll find people that really love elephants, or mm. that really love carnivores, or that really love reptiles, or that really love birds. Um, me, I'm definitely a carnivore. I call myself carnivore to my core. Um, 
because I am a big carnivore person, but also I do consider myself a generalist because I have worked with so many different species of animals. I feel like that's pretty common too, right? People wanting to work with big cats in the industry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Most, most keepers are specialists where if you ask them how many animal species they've worked with in their career, it's going to be like 20, maybe 50. Um, but then you have the few that are like me where 175, whatever. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So you got a job at this little zoo yeah. and did you just, and, and by the way, let's talk a little bit more about how you were, you had, you applied to 40 different, 40, 40. Yeah. And I'm four just, zero. okay. And I'm not putting you on blast. I'm just saying it takes perseverance and it takes, I mean, you're going to get rejected. Cause I get, I'll tell you what, Mel, so many people email me and they say, Oh, I just applied for the zoo job. And I don't know what to do. I haven't heard back. What are your thoughts? Or I don't know if this is right for me. And they've only applied to one place. And it's like, welcome. Anyway, let's go into that. Yeah, I have a lot of people too that are posting on a lot of my videos and that have emailed me and that have caught me even just while I'm working in the zoo. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. How can I get your job? And zookeeping is very difficult to get into because it's very fine-tuned. It's very competitive. There's only so many zoos in the country or even in the world. Um, and then you even narrow it down by how good those zoos are. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not as good as others or, you know, I've had to move multiple times for my job, but start networking, start getting to know people, um, have somebody take a look at your resume and see what you're missing or what you don't have on there because you have to have that animal experience, whether that's you know, working in an animal shelter or volunteering at your local zoo. That's a really big one there. So yeah, it's really hard to get into, but I applied for over 40 jobs. I definitely obviously didn't get 39 of those jobs. Um, so you know, that's, you kind of have to really work really hard to get into it. And then the work doesn't even stop there. Once you get your job, (laughs) you got to keep working really hard and work your way up the ladder so that you can end up where you want to be. Yes. And I love how earlier when I told you I knew someone who had a Renaissance degree or Renaissance art degree, use what you have to your advantage and you can spin it. I love that. I mean, I love that. Use, I mean, maybe you've never taken care of exotic animals, but maybe you had a pet dog or you dog sat and you're able to keep records, right? Or you're able to, I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking you could really beef up the resume just if you think outside the box a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Zookeepers wear a million different hats. We are animal caretakers. We are diet technicians. We are sometimes medical people where we give medications, we Mm. give vaccines, we draw blood. uh, We do some landscaping around the zoo. (laughs) If you work at a small facility, a lot of times you're it. So when I worked at Cosley Zoo, we had a very, very small team. And so we did a lot of the things. We did the yard work. We did some maintenance work. You know, we did public speaking, we did classes, we did everything. When I worked, did my internship at Turpentine Creek, we worked in the gift shop. So, you know, we we gave tours, we did everything. Um, We butchered cows, Mm. you know, that's all relevant experience that people don't really think about. People mostly just think, oh, well, you're a zookeeper, so you go out and pick up a bunch of poop all day, or you cuddle animals all day, or you play with animals all day. There is so, so much more to this job that most people never even think about. It's a really underrated profession. I think it's underpaid and underrated for how hard zookeepers work. Yeah, agreed. 
hardcore. <laughs> and I'm not even a zookeeper. I'm, well, I, I take care of my own animals. So I'm kind of my own little boat. I have like 30 different animals, but still I've, I've, I've volunteered at zoos. I've worked closely at zoos for many years and they're some of the hardest people you'll ever meet. Yep. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. It, I think there's, I, I feel like the stigma might be going away, but I remember some of my zookeeper friends would hear the worst things from the public things like, you know, public walking by with their kids being like, you see that zookeeper? That's why you get an education. Like, it, yep. <laughs> like stuff Been there, been have, there, done that. Oh, you've heard that before. Oh, a ton of times. Yeah. Um, I've actually responded to those people. What do you um, say? If I'm within earshot of them and you know, I feel like a lot of people, side note, I feel like a lot of people like see a zookeeper working in an enclosure and think like the mesh is somehow soundproof glass and they just start talking about you when you're in there. And I'm oh. like, I'm literally right here. <laughs> I can hear everything you're saying. And I think they just like don't think about it. I'm not sure. So yeah, I've had that comment a lot of times and I usually... Um, I usually address it because it, <laughs> knowledge is power and I am here to educate people. And yes. if I need to educate you about my job and why it's important, I'm all about it. So how I would respond to that is usually I just kind of, um, politely, you know, interject and say, well, actually, yeah, you're right. That is why you go to college so that you can be a zookeeper like me someday, because to be a zookeeper, you do need a college degree and you do have to go in and sometimes pick up a lot of poop. But you also get to work with these amazing animals and help animals in animal conservation groups. And you get to educate people and you get to work with some of the rarest species on the planet. And usually the the parent will just kind of look at you and be like, all right, like, let's move along. Um, but you know what? That's OK. Oh, my God. That's a lot nicer than me. Oh, that was such yeah. a nice political response. I understand yep. you work for a facility. I would be like, excuse me. I actually spent four years of my life working my rear end off with a degree yep. that you probably don't have. Now, if you want to go and do your little caramel corn, eat your caramel corn, you can walk the other way. Oh, my God. See, that's why I don't work at a zoo right now. Um, it's really difficult. Some days, <laughs> you know, if I'm just having everybody has bad days and I totally yeah. am one of those people uh -huh. and you just have somebody ask you the worst question where you're just, you want to snap so badly, but yeah. you know, I also act under the assumption or the knowledge that every question is a good question. So, you know, again, I'm there to educate people. I take a lot of my job for granted. So yeah. I, you know, might get offended when somebody doesn't know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile. But I also realize that I do know the difference between those things because I've worked around those animals for many years. I've done my own research. I've done things, but people are coming to the zoo to hopefully gain more knowledge. So if I can step that up a bit, I'm going to do that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I sounded so angry earlier with my caramel corn comment. So I'm so sorry for all I of you. I love the caramel Did corn you like comment. it? Okay. Cause your yes. face kind of froze and I was like, oh man, am I scaring? Am I scaring Mel? Uh, no, nope, I, not at all. I loved it. <laughs> So, perfect. okay. So you're at this, you're at this tiny zoo in Illinois. D did you have a dream zoo or like, what did you want to do? Because it sounds like you were happy there. Why would you want to leave? I was really happy there. The only issue was that it was a part-time job. So uh, like I mentioned before, you do have to kind of move around in order to find that dream position or that dream job. And so this position was only part-time. Um, and so I wanted something full-time. And so I left that job to actually go work at Brookfield zoo. Okay. And that was a, that was a temporary position. So they hire 
for, and that's something else that people can do too, is get into those temporary positions and that'll get your foot in the door and get you networking to the places that you want. So I worked at Brookfield for a little while, um, while they were hiring for a different position. And so I worked there and that was great and that was fine, but it was also a really, really large zoo. And I didn't feel, um, knowledgeable in the zoo like I do now with Hogel where like a guest would come up to me and say where can I find this you know TD monkey and I'd be like I don't even know we had TD monkey <laughs> probably in tropic world which is across the zoo I'm not really sure um whereas you know now if somebody walks up to me at Hogel and they're like where are your TD monkeys I'm like they are in the small animal building and they are in this exhibit I can show you exactly where that's at so it was a little too large for my, my taste and my liking. And so that's when I moved to Salt Lake City. I'm going to Google TD monkey. Well, I've never heard of a, a Ooh, TD they monkey. They are cute. Yeah. Really? They're like, it's, yeah. T-I-T-I, TD monkey. Okay. And they're really small and in their, they live in family groups and they're, they intertwine their tails together. Oh. And it's really adorable. So, so they're a big hit. I'm imagining like cotton top tamarind status a little bit. Is that yeah. kind of a little bit? Yeah. Similar, similar. Yeah, okay. similar size. Maybe a little bit smaller. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. let's go back. So I feel like with large zoos, it's so, it's really political. Is that what you found with your experience? Or yes. Okay. And can, yeah, can we go gosh. into that? Because I mean, well, I, I grew up in a small town. My hometown zoo was so tiny. Everyone knew everyone. The keeper staff full time maybe was only seven or eight people. And it was very homey. And I mean, at the time, you know, this family unit. And when I ventured off, you know, at bigger zoos, it was like, oh, my God, just seeing the, the politics was pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't delve too much into it. I try uh -huh. to kind of stay away from it as much as possible because sure. that's really just not my job. There's people to do that job. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, with larger zoos, there's a lot of politics in, you know, their breeding programs and their staffing and how they staff people and where their money comes from. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, again, kind of when I worked at Brookfield, like I didn't really know anybody else there. Oh. And so I felt like that was a big part of it, too, was a lot of the higher ups, they stuck to those kind of zoo politics. Sure. And that's OK, because that is their job and that's what they're there for. But I feel like where I'm at now and some smaller zoos that I have worked at, I know literally everybody in the zoo. I know the zoo director. I know all of the curators. I know the head of maintenance. That's I know great. the head of grounds. I know the head of guest services. You know, I know every single person. And so I feel like in the larger zoos, the politics do kind of get in the way of the intermingling of the different departments. And I feel like it's segregated. And I just, I, I, I will not, I just want to tell you a story really, really quick. I, we were at one big zoo. It's a very big, famous zoo. It's not the San Diego, by the way. But I, 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 I just want to say that because it, it's not... <laughs> It's some big zoo. I won't tell you which zoo, but my wife and I were there. And when I, when I go to zoo, sometimes we do behind the scenes tours. We're able to film. This is pre COVID. And I remember we were going behind the scenes to go see the hippos. And we went and we talked to our, our bird keeper friend and she had been at this zoo for 20 years. And she said, Oh my God, she said, I would dream to do that. I've never been allowed to go back there. And I remember thinking, what? You've yeah. been here for 20 years. And then my other friend in reptiles, the curator said, hey, do you mind if I tag along to go see the hippos? I've never been back there. And I remember thinking, are you kidding me? Like you've worked here and it blew my mind. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's totally, it's definitely like that at larger zoos where you don't, you, it's very siloed. Um, yeah. You know, I have friends that work at really large zoos and they only work in that area that they yeah. are working in and they don't venture out. And I have also worked in those situations and I'm like, oh, like what's over here? And they're like, oh, we don't go over there. Um, (laughs) it's like, like, what, you know, it's like kids at the lunch table or, you know, they don't really like talk to other departments and things like that. And I'm very social. I am very outgoing. I love getting to know the people that I work with. And so, you know, I always make it a point to go out and talk to the other departments, say hi to people that I'm working with because I want to know those people. So yeah, yeah, it's very different. It's a very different atmosphere depending on what type of zoo you work at, large or small. Yes. And some people, by the way, some people are into that. Some people don't like talking to other people. A lot of zookeepers are not social people. No. Yeah. uh, I always tell people, and that's something that's really important for anybody who wants to get into the field. Don't go into zookeeping just because you love animals. Uh, The job of a zookeeper, you have to be a people person as well as an animal person. And I think that's something that really gets lost in translation in becoming a zookeeper. I see a lot of new keepers that are coming in because I have mentored many keepers Uh in my career. And I see a lot of them that come in and they're like, I'm here for the animals and this is great. And I'm like, okay, but we got to work on your public speaking too, because you're going to be talking to potentially over 150 people we're going to go out and do a program. Let's go do it. And they're like, Oh, I have Uh, to talk to people. Yes. You have to talk to people. That's what we do. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's go through it. You've trained a lot of people. Thank you for giving us a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. What are the, uh, what are the things to do and the things not to do? Maybe let's talk about the things not to do. Cause that's, that's why I love your TikTok so much. It's so entertaining. Cause it's just like, (laughs) I watch them. I I love it. Cause I'm just, I'm an animal nerd and I just find him so funny. But what are the things not to do if I'm going into a zoo interning with you? Uh, Definitely don't be a know-it-all. That's probably the number one. As an intern, as a new employee, as a new keeper, you are there to learn. You are there to get knowledge from the people who have been doing it for many years. Now, there's also the opposite side of that where you have the people who have been in the field for 20, 30 plus years, and they do think that they know everything. So on the one side, when you start out, you know, definitely keep on learning, keep on learning. But that goes for when you've been in the field for so long, too, you need to keep on learning. It's always an ever changing and ever evolving field. So even now, I've been in the field over 10 years. And I still do research on new species. Mm. I do research on what other zoos are doing. I network with other people in other zoos to make sure that kind of we're all doing some cool things and good things are happening. Let's just cut to the chase. No one likes a know-it-all. Like no one. No, no, not at all. And especially when you're working with animals. I mean, there are lives at stake. (laughs) You're working with living things and we don't have time for that. Um, (laughs) We just don't have time for that. So be there to learn and don't feel that, you know, your question is going to be stupid or anything Mm. like that, because that's something else that people need to realize is those interns and those new keepers that are coming in, they don't know everything, even though they may act like they do sometimes they don't. And so if they come to a question, it's up to us older generation keepers to be like, hey, that's a really great question. Let's talk about that. And so that's why in my TikTok videos, usually if somebody asks me a question, that's my very first response is that's a great question. Let's talk about it because I want people to know that 
keep asking those questions. That's the only way you're going to learn is to ask or do your own research. Yes. Don't be embarrassed. Do not yeah, be embarrassed never. now, but don't ask. What about, don't ask too many questions though. I feel like there's a, <laughs> there's a fine line, right? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a fine line. Um, I, I think my expectation is that if you come into the zookeeping world, I do expect you to have kind of that common sense and have some street smarts as well. Mm. Um, I consider myself really good in both of those things most days, um, depending on when you catch me. But yeah, I think having kind of just that common sense and knowing, yeah, when the limit is on the questions is too much because there is a there is a fine line. Definitely. Have you ever had an intern with like the most fantastic record, the most fantastic straight A college degree, and they're just like dumber than a box of rocks when you put them in the actual field? I yes. know that, that, yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. To, I'm just sorry to insult someone's intelligence. I mean, like, they're just not. I, there's a difference from, like, you know, like the academics and actually doing the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard for some people to translate those things. Again, you know, they think that they have come out of college and they're like, yes, college has given me everything that I have needed. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. But, like, Really, if I think about my college days and the classes that I took, I don't really use any of that. <laughs> like, I I use my observational skills, my listening skills, my training skills, uh, my public speaking skills. Those are all skills. I didn't learn those in college. I learned those from doing and yeah. from learning from other amazing zookeepers. So... Yeah. I mean, yes, still go to college and college is great. And there's definitely a few things that I learned. I mean, I took some really awesome animal behavior classes in college and stuff like that. So those really have come in handy. But yeah, there's definitely some people that come out of college and they just think they're done and that they're like, yep, I'm just going to get into zookeeping and I'm going to be great at it. And sometimes it's not cut out for you. Um, not every single person can be a keeper either. And that's something that you need to take a hard look at yourself and realize that um, not every person can work with dangerous animals. That's a really tough one. A lot of people are like, yes, I'm going to go into zookeeping and I'm gonna work with cats. It doesn't always work out because they're dangerous animals. And if you don't have the know-how, if you don't have a healthy fear of them, it's not really gonna work out for you. I feel like some people in the field going into it do set them up or do set themselves up for disappointment because they want to work with these big cats, but then those, those positions are so competitive that then they're stuck somewhere else and they get in this mindset and this disappointment. And I feel like people need to just to be open to about anything. Working yeah. Wise. Take the job that you can get. Yeah. Take it, whatever job you can get, just go for it. And you can always work your way up and figure out what you want to do because yeah, I mean, reptiles are really awesome, too. And birds are really awesome. Every group of animals has their own amazing qualities and different skills that you'll learn yeah. working with those animals. Um, you know, birds, birds and reptiles are really big into they like to hide a lot of things uh -huh. from you. So if something's wrong with them, uh -huh. you have to know that animal inside and out to know that something is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I, th I thought you were physically talking about them physically hiding things from you. I'm like, what are the, I'm like, oh. wait, wait, wait. I was like, wait, what, well, what type of reptiles have you, <laughs> I was like in my mind, I was like, agreeing with you. Like, uh, really? <laughs> no, I, I get there's that. Like some bird species that like, yeah. like hash things away. I work with, I currently work with a raven, a raven that loves to hide things in her exhibit. So, I mean, physically and emotionally and mentally, you know, 
they like to hide things. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. 100%. <laughs> okay. So back onto, okay. So things not to do. Don't be a know-it-all. Okay. What else? Anything, any other yep. red flags? Definitely just going in with an open mind and really showing your passion and showing how excited you are. I've worked with some interns that they've come in and done their internship. And I have like literally had to sit down with them and ask, why are you here? Why did you apply for this internship? Because it doesn't, it didn't seem like they really wanted to be there at all. Oh. So if you're excited about something and you're having a great time and you want to know more, show that enthusiasm, don't hide it. Don't, um, don't go in with a chip on your shoulder or anything like that because, you know, again, the field is very competitive. So the fact that you got that internship or that job, that means something. That means that we saw something in you. Wow. So you've really had people just like walking around like Debbie Downers that you had to sit down and be like, you need to perk up or I mean, what's going on? Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. 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 Whew. Yeah. I mean, just be happy to be there, I guess. And that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. I mean, you know, and maybe, and I like what you said earlier yeah. though. I like what you said because you said, you know, it's okay to realize this field isn't for you. If you go into it, it's okay to be like that. That's it. I'm good. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's definitely, especially if you're, if you're working with dangerous animals, you know, it's not worth your life. So zookeeping that's something that a lot of zookeepers they get into it and it becomes them it becomes part of them and i've really been wanting to see that new movie soul because apparently it talks about you know how your job doesn't define you and things like that because a lot of zookeepers get into that habit where their job does define them and when it is maybe time to get out of zookeeping, they have a really hard time with it because it has become such a concrete part of their body uh -huh. that they can't remove it. So, you know, zookeeping is a very emotional field. It's very emotionally and mentally taxing. And so that's something that a lot of people should know as well about zookeeping. It's not all roses and rainbows every day. It's very, very difficult. And it can be really difficult on your mental health, um, as well as your physical health as well. I mean, you talk to my knees and they would not be happy. Um, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, it can be really difficult for a lot of people. So it's definitely not for everybody. Have you seen a lot of compassion fatigue in the industry? Yes. Yeah, that's probably one of our, our biggest issues is you're caring for these animals. And everybody loves animals. I love animals. And it's really hard because you are typically, depending on where you work, you are typically underpaid. Um, you know, there's a lot of pizza parties going around to try to fix everything. I love pizza um, parties. <laughs> I do too. You can always fix like pretty much anything with a zookeeper with food. Um, we're very food motivated <laughs> creatures, just like our animals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very tough. Compassion fatigue is very, very real in our field and it does draw a lot of people out because they just can't handle it anymore. Um, the hardest part of being a zookeeper by far, hands down, is losing animals. Uh, um, you lose animals, you know, not all the time. I don't want to say all the time. That sounds terrible. But I've been in my job for over 10 years again. And I've seen a lot of animals pass away, some of them literally in my arms. Uh, and you've cared for those animals. You've put your heart and soul into those animals and to see them pass away. And everything dies. And that's just a... A harsh reality everything mm. dies 
And so you can't keep these animals forever and ever as much as we want to, but that's by far the hardest part of zookeeping. And so if you go through a phase where maybe you have a lot of animals pass away all at once because they all got to like that older generation and then it just all kind of happens in a, in a heartbeat. And I've gone through that and it's very, very difficult where all those animals started to get really old and then just one after another, they start to pass away and it is heart heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm getting chills. It's honestly, when you're with these animals, it's like losing a family member. I mean, I'm actually attached. This sounds so bad, but I don't think a lot of my family listens to the show. I feel more attached to my animals than some of my family members. I mean, like yeah. cousins and, oh, this sounds so bad. You know what I mean? No, no, they're a I, part yeah, of your life, you know? I'm right there with you. It's, again, you put everything that you have into that animal, especially if an animal gets ill or injured or something like that. I mean, you want to know why it happened. You want to know yeah. when it happened. You want to know what you could have done differently. Yeah. And so not having that closure sometimes is very, very difficult to cope with. And so, yeah, I mean, I love my animals that I work with at the zoo just as much as my I love my pets here at home. And yeah. so it's very, very tough. Losing a pet is very hard. Multiply that times 10 to 15 and it's difficult. Is that why you get frustrated? I often, like I said, I've loved the TikToks when you respond to people's comments, but is that why you get so mad when you have people who are anti-zoo or who look at you and look at your profession and say that you're abusing the animals? Yeah, it's very tough. Uh, I, I've i had it a lot where people say animals shouldn't be in zoos, zoos shouldn't exist, and they they do think that we're abusing our animals and things like that, and it's simply not true. I, I wouldn't be doing what I would be doing or what I'm doing if I didn't love it. And if I didn't know those animals were getting amazing animal welfare, if zoos didn't have to exist and I'd be out of the job, that's okay. I'd be a hundred percent okay with that happening. But the fact is zoos do have to exist. Zoos are one of the largest contributors to animal conservation efforts and they are a huge part of animal reintroductions into the wild. There have been many, many species that have been saved because of zoos and their breeding programs and them being able to reintroduce them into the wild. So zoos play a really, really important part in animal conservation. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they just think they think of zoos back in like the 1950s or Mm -hmm. 1930s, or even just 30 years ago, Zoos have come a long way since then. You know, we're not just throwing monkeys in cages with big old bars anymore. We're giving them training programs. We're giving them enrichment. We're giving them good quality diets. We're making sure that they're happy and healthy and in proper social groups and everything like that. So there's just so much that people assume, too, from seeing a really quick little 15-second video that they're just like, oh, yeah, that animal's definitely abused. Well, it's not, but thanks for watching. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many extremists and I see it a lot. I see it with this younger generation. I, I mean, we, we point blank. We just have to be honest. I, I see it. I deal with it on a daily basis. Um, I have, I have, you know, my, I have two rescued alligators. We just moved them into a brand new pool. I mean, we put my, yeah, that looks great by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you. I've had people <laughs> send me. And by the way, so let me if you if you're new to the podcast, let me just explain my two alligators. We built them a brand new facility. My dad and I with our bare hands with my strong hand. We I mean, literally with our own funds, 
Um, minus at the very end, I think we raised a thousand dollars, but the majority of it was self-funded. We, you know, recessed a 38 foot long pool into the ground. We built a building around it, blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, we were, you know, we released the alligators and there's so much social media content, but I have received so much heat from people who are just against this, telling me that I'm abusing the animals, telling me that you should have, wow, you really should have spent your money elsewhere. This is awful. You should be, you should die. Like horrible things. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, and it's like every other comment. And by the way, there are great ones, but you just get some people in that generation who are just so against it. Yeah, the most frustrating, like by far most frustrating thing that, every single day I get so mad about um, is seeing those social media videos of people from like really sketchy facilities that are like playing with tigers Uh and playing with bears and like, you know, showing off their massive reptiles and Uh like giving no educational information at all. And those are getting like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of likes and views and millions of views and comments that are like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And then they go to an accredited facility, (laughs) social media. Yes. Again, we have amazing, we have crews that build exhibits that are multi-million dollar exhibits that they're saying these animals are being abused and are in horrible conditions. But yes, please go like that post of a tiger rolling around in the dirt that has no enrichment, no training program, and is probably being sold for photo opportunities to, you know, the next Joe Schmo. So it really blows my mind. And I don't understand how to like bridge that gap and make people realize like, hey, yeah, that post is really cute. And that animal's really cute. And that's cool that they're interacting with that person. But one, this could be very dangerous. Two, that might be illegal. Three, that animal might not be in a good situation. It's so hard to see, again, those 15-second videos and make that snap judgment and really know what's going on. Yeah. Yes. And and by the (laughs) – I'm sorry. I'm just like all this stuff. And I get – sometimes I get angry and then I have to realize like these people are coming from a place – of just they just they don't see the whole picture and i'm happy you said it's 15 seconds we're on tiktok or instagram reels it's 15 seconds so another thing is like when i release for some reason some videos you don't even know that are going to explode explode on tiktok or whatever and you know people are you know we're questioning me and like oh like the alligator facility it's just not big enough and it's like you didn't even see the whole and it just makes you so mad so just trying to agree with you it's only 15 seconds please keep that in mind when you see these short videos you're not seeing the whole picture i also want to like ask people you know you like you said you spent money to build that enclosure I'm sorry, did that person donate like $5,000 to build a bigger enclosure? No, they did not. Like if you want to see that larger enclosure, like you have to also realize it takes time and money. You know, people are always egging on zoos because they're like, oh, that animal's in way too small of an enclosure. Okay, but we also just spent like $4 million on this exhibit and like tripled this size of this exhibit. So like now we are trying to raise money for this other exhibit, we know that it's small. We're doing everything that we possibly yeah. can. It's it literally does take time and money. And going back to the nineteen, you know, whatever nineteen hundreds, when zoos were those tiny little cages, yeah. we're so far away from that now, and we've come such a long way. 
that it still amazes me that people like don't even see those changes and those good things that are happening. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good thing to say. If you're mad, why don't you donate? Here's the zoo. Yep. <laughs> Here's the zoos. Yeah. Here's our master plan, and I can get you in yep. touch, and you could send a check. <laughs> you can yep. donate towards this. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. For just two million dollars, you can help us build this exhibit and we can put your name on a plaque and that'll be great <laughs> but two million dollars it's fine yeah, i had i'm sorry i just i just and i feel like i can vent to you because you understand this and i not a lot of people can get this just because they not a lot of people who watch these videos aren't working in the field but yeah i had someone write me and say what a waste of money i you know i just i can't even believe that this is just you should have you should have thought of the animals first before you did this and i literally was like i just would have loved to see what you could have done on your own dime thank you very much block i never want to hear from you again but these awful people yep ah uh, yeah. look at me Sometimes getting all fired up Yep. Just gotta let them go. Let them go. They're gonna, you know, I, I always say that too with social media. Yeah. Like I'm not here to change minds yes. because I'm not here you to can't. change your mind. I'm here to educate you. And if you want to listen, that's great. If you don't want to listen, that's also fine. You are free to do whatever you would like, but my job is education and animal conservation. So I'm just going to keep on cruising with that. There's nothing you can do to stop me. But I don't understand, Belle, with all the animals you work with, why can't they all be released back into the wild? <laughs> See, now I'm ready to get you fired up. Here we go. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, they cannot be released back into the wild. So with zoos, yes, we do have some animals that were actually from the wild. Those animals were more than likely from wildlife rehab situations. So we um, at my zoo, I can speak for my zoo, is we get some of our animals from local wildlife rehab centers. Mm -hmm. And rehab centers, they can fix up so many animals and they do amazing things for wildlife. But one, some of those animals can't be fixed completely. Um, two, those wildlife rehab centers only have enough space in their facility. And three, those guys they rely on donations as well. So they don't have the funds to care for all of these animals that are coming in. A lot of wildlife rehabbers right now, especially during COVID are swamped. They are overloaded with animals. And so if they have these animals who maybe a bird has an eye or a wing injury, you can't release that bird back into the wild. It's not going to be a very good bird if it can't mm -hmm. see or it can't fly. Mm -hmm. So where is it going to go? Um, so zoos will usually partner with those wildlife rehabbers to get those animals a, a permanent home where they can live the rest of their lives happy and healthy. Um, and then zoos have breeding programs. Those animals did not come from the wild. They were born and bred in a zoological setting under human care. So they can't be released back into the wild. They don't have those instincts. Um, I can attest our lion pride we had a group of seven lions together. And with lions, hunting is instinct, but killing something, that is mother taught. And it is wild instinct that these guys in zoos don't necessarily have. So we've had um, Canada geese get into the exhibit oh. on occasion. And let me tell you, watching a lion, a zoo lion, try to kill a Canada goose to eat is not something that I ever want to see again um, because they don't have those natural instincts because they're not wild. They're not from the wild. So yeah, they essentially grabbed the goose and then started eating it from the butt end. Oh. And so this poor goose was still alive. And oh, like, God. you know, a wild lion, it's done and over in three seconds. Yeah. 
So they can't be released back into the wild because they don't have those instincts. They would perish. Yeah. And I also want to make a point that I feel like some people, they think that this wild is some magical place that exists. And did you want to go into that a little bit about where what's yeah. happening right now with the wild and... Guys, it's not so magical. <laughs> That's it. Okay, thank you for coming That's on the it. show. That's Goodbye. We're done. We're done here. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, no, it is. The wild is in danger it is yeah. not a safe place for a lot of animals to be right now there is poaching there is habitat loss um there is logging there is fracking there is you know everything under the sun there's climate change like there's everything happening that these animals in the wild are not living the life that they used to back in the day that those people idolize mm -hmm. and fantasize about and think that that's what's happening that's you know animals a new animal becomes endangered or extinct you know almost every day it seems now yeah. and so it's kind of sad for people that think yeah we can just release these animals back into the wild well how can we do that if there's no wild left that's uh -huh. the question how uh -huh. can we have these animals in the wild and go see these animals in the wild if there's no wild left that's that's the question so yeah, it's it's a really tough, touchy subject, but you know, how can you help the animals in the wild? Visit your local zoo. Donate mm -hmm. to that local zoo because mm -hmm. um, you know, my zoo, we donate every year to different animal conservation groups. And so it's a really big thing. We do fundraisers for animal conservation. Um you can go online. Um, Zooniverse is a really cool website where you can actually look at trail cams and help scientific research and oh. identify animals that are being caught on trail cams. So if you want to help animal conservation, do your part. Yeah. Don't be a keyboard activist. Be a real activist. <laughs> I love real. how you said that. And let's, let's save animals together because I'm here for it. And, you know, I've donated quite a lot of money to animal conservation groups. I love doing that. And that's something I'll continue to do because I know that that's important and I want to save animals. So, you know, do your part. That's yes. the biggest thing I can tell people is do your part. Absolutely. So on a lighter side, what are some of the awesome animals you get to work with on a daily basis? I am really in love with a bobcat that I work with every day. His name is Loki. Um, he's one of our animal ambassadors, and I just absolutely love him. Um, he did originally come from the wild. Okay. He was actually found in someone's chicken coop in Montana, oh. and he was with his mom, and unfortunately, the man killed the mom. And then later, his five-year-old daughter came into the house with a little baby kitten and oh, said, Daddy, no can I keep it? Oh. And he was like, where did you find that? And she was like, in the chicken coop. <laughs> and so then obviously he knew that was baby Bobcat. And he was less than a month old at the time. So he wouldn't have survived in the wild on his own without mom. Okay. So they brought him to a wildlife rehab center. And because they had to hand raise him, he was deemed non-releasable. So mm. then again, we gave him a permanent home at the zoo and um, I get to work with him every day. And he is such a sassy cat. And I absolutely love him so, so much. So hands on, hands on. Uh, he is hands on with me and uh -huh. like two other keepers in the zoo. Um, but otherwise, no, he does have all of his teeth and all of his claws. Um, I've worked with him since day one of him coming in when he was less than six months old. Uh -huh. So and now he's three 
three, three and a half. So, um, so I worked with him for a little while, a little while and, uh, he's such an awesome animal. I really love bobcats. You know, you don't hear of, I mean, me personally, of any, many bobcats in ambassador programs, you hear of like servals, caracals, clouded leopards, but I don't know of too many bobcats really. Yeah, you don't. It's not super common. Um, we're still kind of working with him and trying to figure out what that all looks like and okay. what we can do um, with him. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like. So okay, we'll see in the future if we can get him to do something cool with the public. But for now, we just do some really cool training sessions. <laughs> That's awesome. What else are you working with on a daily I am the animal care supervisor of Ambassador Animals. So I work with over 60 different species of animals from small birds, mammals, reptiles, um, invertebrates, so lots of insects too. And we get to take those animals out and bring them to do programs. Now, pre-COVID, we did those every single day. Now we're doing a lot of virtual things through our education department. And our education department is super amazing. Um, But yeah, so... I work with a lot of different species. I think my other favorites are a raven that I work with, Jerry. Um, She's (laughs) super amazing, and she's just another kind of sassy. I like a lot of, like, the challenging animals and a lot of, like, the sassy animals because it fits my personality, I think, and I like a challenge. So, yeah, they're definitely some of my favorites. Um, Favorite animal I've never worked with. Ooh, I like this. Wombats. I would die to work with wombats. <laughs> Aren't they mean? No, they're, they're not. So sweet. Are you being f- fooled by those social media videos, Mel? <laughs> no, I love them. I so when I worked at Brookfield, um, I did get to go see some because they had a couple different they have, species. They had wombats there. Wow. Yeah, they're one of the only zoos. I think it's one of three zoos in okay. the whole country that has um, hairy nosed wombats. Wow. And so I got to go see them and my coworker, her husband worked in that area. And uh, so she brings me into like this little closet and they were, they were like, all right, like we're going to bring in our adult female wombat. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I like, can't handle this. <laughs> and so she like waddles on in and I got to like pet her and Oh, I just <laughs> lost it. And then her husband like looks at me and he's like, I'll be right back. And at the time they had a baby. <gasps> and so I like looked at him and I was like, where are you going? Are you going to get the baby? Are you going to get the baby? And I like immediately hysterically broke down crying oh. because he then walks in with this tiny little Joey oh. and you know, Oh, it, it made my life. So that's the crazy thing. You know, I am a zookeeper and I've worked with some pretty crazy species, but like, we will never be mad or upset or sad about like feeding an animal or touching an animal or petting an animal. Like we get just as excited as the public does to do Mm. those things because it's just amazing. And I just love wombats so much. They're just so cute. And they have cube cube shaped poop. How cool is that? I just have always seen like Steve Irwin videos and Jack Cannon videos of them chasing them around the exhibit. So I always <laughs> thought that they were just these really aggressive, you know what I mean? No, they're super sweet animals. Um, they can be really mischievous, okay. I've heard, okay. because they're digging, they're digging species. And so they like uh-huh. to burrow sure. and um, wombats actually have a really hard plate on their butts. And that's so that when they go down oh. into burrows, uh-huh. a predator can't get to them. 
um, if their butt's sticking out. Sure. So if they back up into you, that probably, I would imagine that probably hurts a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever, um, speaking about just marsupials in general, have you ever uh, worked with Tasmanian devils at all? No, that would be, I love Australian animals. Um, Mm. I actually studied abroad in Australia during college. And so I got to see a lot of like native Australian wildlife and um, we went to a couple different facilities and one of those had Tasmanian devils and that was really cool. But yeah, I, I love anything in that like Australasia type oh, yeah. area. New Zealand is, has amazing species because they're islands and the islands get the cool species. Yes. Yes. I, I was so, so we went to the San Diego zoo. I was so excited to see the Tasmanian devils. And of course didn't see one. And I talked to a friend who worked there and she said she's been there for years and she's, I think seen them once out on exhibit. Yeah. I've been to San Diego three or four times now. Um, and I've only seen them once out. Oh, oh, you saw them out. Yeah, I saw them one oh. time. One was like scurrying about and then it quickly went back into a den. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. This is a complete zoo nerd thing, but I feel like we're past an hour. So I feel like if people are into it, they're still listening. What is like the, what is the best exhibit animal and the worst exhibit animal? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. It's a good question uh, though, right? That's a great question. I think best exhibit animal I can say mine. Can, 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 can I say mine? Because I'm, yes, af- right I'm afraid you're going to take it. Are you ready for go it? Ahead. I yeah. think that if, if, okay, I think the best exhibit animal would probably be otters. Ooh, yes. That's uh, a good one. Okay. Okay. Um, Our otters, we have North American river otters and uh-huh. they do sleep a lot of the day. Oh, you're so right. So sometimes they're not visible, but um, they do come out and they swim and that's really fun. So I think it depends... That's a really loaded question because I think Sorry. it depends on the species Okay. and it depends on the individual because sure. every individual animal is very different. So it's going to depend on what their comfort level is. Like the bobcat Loki that I work with, uh-huh. he is always on exhibit. He is always visible. He is always doing something adorable. So like, I think he's a great exhibit animal. Uh-huh. Now animals, animals that don't make good exhibit animals um, definitely some like tarantula species. They're kind of hard to see any like burrowing species. Yeah. I don't love as exhibit animals because they're burrowers. They yeah. like to spend their time underground. Yeah. Some other ones are a lot of like nocturnal animals because you kind of have to change their light cycle in order for them to be active when people want them to be active. Sure. So I think a lot of those kind of guys that, you know, eye eyes and, I don't know. What are some other little Kikachus aren't very good exhibit animals. They're always Um, balled up and you know what I mean? And they're little hammocks and yeah, they can be really sleepy. So those are kind of tough animals to have on exhibit are ones that don't necessarily that aren't awake at the same time as us. Uh Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think other ones that are good. I love seeing like bears on exhibit, Uh, like grizzlies or black bears. Grizzlies, I feel like are always doing something fun. Ooh, sloth bears. I love watching sloth bears on exhibit and okay. No, you caught me now. My favorite thing to watch at the zoo. I could literally watch them all day. And my husband always has to pull me away. Prairie dogs. (laughs) What? Oh my, you just built, hold on. So much disappointment going through my body. I thought you were going to say watching the polar bears underwater. Prairie. What? Prairie dogs or meerkats because they're always 
popping out of different holes. <laughs> and I, so fun story about prairie dogs. I've never worked with them in a zoo setting, uh-huh. um, but I have friends that have, and they live underground and they have really large family groups. And so sometimes, you know, ones would die and you wouldn't know because of old age or oh, whatever, yeah, yeah. and you never see them. But all of a sudden, one day, they just push a little skeleton up oh, through the, the opening. And still. so the keepers would have to go in and like clean up these skeletons because the prairie dogs would be underground. No! Or, like, or one day, they'd just what? come in and like six little baby prairie dogs would pop up. And they'd be like, hello, oh, I guess somebody was pregnant. What? I have yeah. never heard that. They pushed the little skeletons up to get, really, yes. to get rid of the dead. Oh, yeah. my God. It doesn't shock me. I've never heard that before. That's why they are just so fun, because you never know what you're going to get with them. So, like, I could just watch them all day. And there's always, like, one or two in the group that's just super obese. <laughs> and it's just, like, Who sitting there. That? living the good life, eating his, you know, fruits and veggies, whatever. There's always at least one. And I just love watching them. They're always doing something different. Yeah, you tell so. someone anti-zoo, go look at a fat prairie dog munching yeah. on a piece of sweet potato. And you let me know if that, <laughs> like, oh my God, that's, yeah. Yep. They look yeah, so, so content. you tell that animal's not happy. I disagree, but whatever. Okay, so because, okay, we, we're past an hour. I know we're a little past. Before we leave, can we just go over some of the most ridiculous things that you've heard zoo visitors say? Because that is kind of, I feel like your overall theme of TikTok, unless that's only the videos that are shown to me, but the majority of the <laughs> the majority of the videos I see are the ridiculous things you hear from guests or comments, and then you go into it. Yeah, I think like uh, one of our biggest pet peeves and most ridiculous things that we usually hear from people is when like a zookeeper is walking through the zoo carrying like a trash bag or their lunch bag or something clearly like not what they're about to say. And they always grab their child and they're like, look, honey, that's a zookeeper. They're going to go feed something. And most of the time I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go feed myself. Lunchtime. <laughs> Bye. Um, so that's definitely like a big one that I think I hear the most is, or people stop me like, and I'm carrying absolutely nothing. And they're like, what are you going to go feed? I'm like, nothing. I'm just walking. Like I'm just, just walking. Um, or yeah, the people that are always like, do you ever just go in and play with the lions or play uh... with the tigers and I legitimately just look at them with wide eyes and I'm like, no, I very much like being alive. That's <laughs> um, so There's funny. the people that uh, feel that they have to do the little noises at animals oh, to get I their attention. hate that. The kissy noises or the little or like, here, uh, kitty, kitty, or uh, things like that. The animals are not going to pay attention to that. They do not care at all about those things um that's probably a one of the most common things that people do is they make the noises at the animals to try to get their attention yeah oh my gosh that would drive me nuts i had a friend a keeper friend and she would always have people random people go up to her and be like can you please tell me where the hippos are and she's like Man, we don't have hippos. I, I'm sorry. No, I've, I've, last time I was here, you guys had hippos. Can you please show me where they are? Ma'am, we've never had hippos at our zoo that's under 10 acres. I think you're mistaken. When I was here, there were hippos. Would you please, and it would just people <laughs> like the craziest stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. People definitely do that to us. Um, we had hippos at my zoo probably ooh, 
It's, you, it's been a, many, many years. Many years. And people still are like, oh, yeah, like, where is your hippo exhibit? Or where are your penguins? And yeah. I'm like, we don't have any of those things. And they're like, yeah, I saw the penguins on TV. And I'm like, uh, the aquarium has penguins. We don't have penguins. Oh, You're man. at the wrong place. So, <laughs> sorry. Here's a polar bear. Um, yeah, oh. so there's just so many things that people do or say. The banging on the glass yeah. always just... Yeah. throws me for a loop. Like, I don't understand why that's a thing. Um, you know, I just, yeah, there's a lot of things that people do that I look at them and I'm like, um, what? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I don't understand. My wife gets embarrassed because I actually yell at people. I just yelled at someone at the San Diego Zoo for banging on the glass and a orangutan was just right there. And she's like, don't do it. And I said, they don't like that. Do you think she's going to yep. turn around? Anyway, my wife's yep. like, stop I've gone that. up to a a little child once um, who was just incessantly banging. And I had politely many times asked them to stop and they didn't, they just kept going to each enclosure and banging on the glass. Yeah. And I finally like creeped up behind him and like turned around and was like, Hey, would you like it if I came to your bedroom and like banged on your window to wake you up at night? And the little kid like looked at me so terrified <laughs> and shook their head. And I was like, all right, the animals don't like that either. So stop it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you, you can't, can't get through to them sometimes. It's hard. No. Oh my gosh. Well, well, thank you so much. Any last minute pieces of advice for people wanting to get into the field? Any encouraging, um, I don't know, encouraging remarks for people? I know 20, this has been just a crapshoot of a, of, of a time, right? 2020 yeah. and 2021. I mean, it's, I haven't even looked at the news today, so. Me either. Um, <laughs> I, try to, I try to just stay away from that right now. Um, <laughs> Animals are my game right now, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get into zookeeping, keep at it. Do the work. Stay focused. Start internships. Start volunteering. Start networking. Oh. And don't don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't limit yourself to one group of animals. Don't come into it your first job and say, yep, I'm going to work with elephants. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> yeah, tell that to the elephant people. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna do that i'm sorry so it's not gonna work out you know take the jobs that you can get because zookeeping is such an amazing job i cannot imagine myself doing anything different i have such a passion and such a drive for it so that's the most important thing that i think has kept me going for so many years is i have always been passionate of course i love animals obviously i wouldn't be doing it if i didn't but I also try to stay as positive as possible. I surround myself with really happy and excited people. And don't forget to just stop and take a look around if you have worked in zookeeping because there's so many things that we take for granted every day. I mean, the things that my husband has gotten to do because I'm a zookeeper, he's gotten <laughs> to feed polar bears, he's fed giraffes, he's fed, you know, seals and like all sorts of crazy things that he's so wowed by those things. And I'm just like, huh? Yeah, I guess that is really cool. Isn't it? So yeah, don't take anything for granted. Just live in the moment. Be excited about what you got right in front of you. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Zookeeper Mel. Thank you so much. You were such an entertaining guest. And I had, su <laughs> I had such a fun time geeking out over zoo stuff with you. I really, really did. Yeah, same. I was really excited to do this. So thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely awesome. And I would love to come to the Hogel Zoo. I'm not far away. So honestly, I, I would love to make the I would love to make the drive. Could I get a behind the scenes tour or is it really strict? Yes. 
You think uh, so? Yes. You let me know when you're coming and I'll make it happen. I'll be there Tuesday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I won't be there. <laughs> I don't blame you. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great night. You too. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.